March is National Kidney Month. People diagnosed with kidney disease need a game plan. At Fresenius Kidney Care, you have access to a kidney coach to help you understand kidney disease and learn about treatment options. If you want to learn how to protect your kidney health and feel your best, connect with a kidney coach today. Learn more at protectkidneyhealth.com. That's protectkidneyhealth.com. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. It's me, your sickly dying mangaka, Wizard Holden McNeely. Please don't make me keep writing chapters. It's literally going to make my heart explode in my chest. And it's me, your rowdy best friend, Kuabara, and I'll kick your ass if you don't get back in that chair and keep making manga, because it's about friendship, and if no mangaka leaves behind their audience, Urameshi! How excited, Jake, were you to get to do this impression you're doing right now? I remember the what? very beginning. I don't know what you're talking about. This is just the, the way I talk now, ever since I heard the voice of Kuabara. Barra and localized <laughs> anime Yu Yu Hockey Show in 2004 on Adult Swim. Why are you making fun of my voice? It's good, so dude. this is the episode. So I'm dealing with this this episode. <laughs> The, That's for the what we're rest doing. of our run as a podcast, fans will <laughs> refer to pre Kuabara and post Kuabara. <laughs> Don't make me ask April to hit it. I will ask her to hit it whenever I damn well please. And this you is can hit it all it. you want because I I believe in my friends. And even if I have to listen to the Donkey Kong rapper, <laughs> oh, I died. I died again. <laughs> I died. Have we even said that topic we're doing or introduced our special guest yet, uh, Jake Young? <laughs> uh, I answer only to Kuabara. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping it. Are I'm we? dropping it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't promise it won't come back. I can't promise it won't come back. We're doing Yu Yu Hakusho, one Hell of the yeah. classic manga and anime, especially for you adult swim-ass, tsunami-ass kids of the 2000s. And uh, it is a huge pleasure that we got to get a guest expert in with us. Uh, he is part of a channel uh, on YouTube. You know it as Bonsai Pop. Uh, believe it or not, what if I told you there's a whole goddamn channel of thoughtful, deep analyses that like actually makes you appreciate anime and the positive messages it has instead of like the nightmare that makes you ashamed of liking anime. What if it was, what if, it, what if there was a anime channel on YouTube that you could be proud to watch and listen to? It is through Mike Pixley that you can make that happen. Hi, Mike. Welcome aboard. Hello. Thank you so much. What a, what a kind, kind introduction that was. Thank you. I watch yeah. a lot of analysis YouTube to like get into the headspace of fandoms a lot. And like whenever I see that there's a bonsai pop video for any given topic, I'm always like, oh, thank God. 
Oh, yeah. thank God. I love that. Yeah, I mean, we don't we do not do a lot of lol, anime, titty, here we go, YouTube content. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we try. We try. I love it. Uh, hell yeah. And uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, this was one for me. First of all, I mean, this is how dense I am. I went into it and I even realized, I was like, oh, the Hunter Hunter guy. Oh, we did an episode on Hunter Hunter already. But, but learning more about Yu Yu Hakusho, and I think we, I mean, we definitely talked about it in that episode, so check out also after this companion episode, the Hunter Hunter episode. Um, we we definitely talked about this uh, this work, but at the same time, I don't think we really covered or really nailed down how the manga and anime really established so much for the shonen fight battle anime genre, and uh, it's really cool to see kind of some of the. Some of the things that this 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 uh, work instilled into, I think what 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 it did for so many future shows that are still coming out now, and 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 really like created some rules even I think for like how to create strong user engagement, and it's because its creator almost killed himself um, <laughs> trying to win the fan polls on a Weekly Shonen Jump. It seems he became obsessed with what the people want. This is one of the like for sure whereas in the past I mean part of that was him creating stuff he thought was cool he talks about that all the time but he was also it was definitely also his effort to break the kind of like crack the code on fandom polls a fascinating element of of Japanese entertainment that we don't we sort of have here I mean we have ratings and things like that but not a direct like this thing's better than this thing like in a you know monthly weekly magazine I mean, it's kind of uh, comparable to a TV network in which, you know, uh, a well-branded network where people will tune in because they, in theory, like the programming on the network. People will always check out what HBO does just because it's HBO. But HBO doesn't just like pit Game of Thrones against Euphoria and they're like, right. one of them's going to die. What <laughs> you choose. Right. Like, it's such a barbaric way to do it. Or it's more direct and efficient, and it's actually kind of more appreciable. I don't know. Yeah, it's brutal, dude. Like Shonen Jump. I mean, they, like like you said, they will literally they will they will kick you off if your ratings just like dip. I mean, I don't think I don't think I mean I don't I don't want to bring up Bleach too much, but like watching <laughs> that decline of the of the the ratings until it went up and then it eventually finished. But like when you get to it, you get to a certain point, and your editors like end it. And yeah, just end your series, dude. And that must be so heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, Tagashi even said in one quote uh, that it is you get 10 weeks. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because it reminds me of what people say about stand-up comedy. Like, even if you're like a celebrity stand-up doing it, um, you generally get about five to ten minutes of, <laughs> oh, wow, it's Seinfeld. And then, like, if you... If yeah. you're material sucks you gotta go and uh they, yeah it's like straight up that version of that uh and so i'm always fascinated by the reader poll thing so to have this story really be framed by the reader poll thing is really really interesting to to just be like i'm just gonna fucking bring the the like best baddest ass like shonen you know battle you know just win a popularity contest so it's no surprise that the thing he made after this before he made hunter hunter was this very personal sci-fi work 
work that he, I think I even have a quote from him being like, he walked into his editors. He was like, the next thing I'm doing is going to tank in the reader polls <laughs> and just said that. I think it what level E. So, so this is, yeah. I mean, we're, we're about to tell the story of, of, um, of the rise and fall of Yoshihiro Tagashi to the point where I cannot believe Hunter Hunter exists based off of the things that he says around the end of this, uh, this run of Yu Yu Hakusho. It's I, as a kid that, or I guess I was full on teenager by the time, uh, like the Yu Yu Hakusho made it to American airwaves. I know right. it was like a manga and an anime, back in 1993, but a lot of being an anime fan in America was just watching a lot of stuff from the 90s that finally got localized. But there was like something, there was something kind of different about it. I remember specifically like getting really into the early episodes, just just amazed that there was anime on television and kind of loving this story of a ghost that helps like local Japanese teenagers and children with their weird little problems and like having his cast of spirit helpers. And then I like fell off for a little bit. Maybe it was one of the brief times in high school when I actually had like a social life on Fridays and Saturdays. (laughs) And then when I came back, they were like in a pit fighting to the death, like bare chested, (laughs) just screaming about power levels. Yeah, it changes so, and we'll explain that too. Why he made that choice, and, and you know that it was his intention the whole time to do battle arena style uh, manga, but uh, he just he he wanted to kind of bring the audience into the characters and stuff first, and was influenced to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, were you as into? I mean, were you more into it once it got tournament style, or was it like uh, just just continue to? I appreciated for that. It was definitely more mindful than your average Dragon Ball Z fight. Okay. Your average Dragon Ball Z fight was like raw testosterone and adrenaline, just, you know, planets exploding, people pushing power beyond power. And on Yu Yu Hakusho, there were moments of like emotional depth. And, you know, Tagashi really, even back with Yu Yu Hakusho, gave his villains way more motivation and humanity and like motives then uh, your average just like, I'm from the planet, kill everybody, and I'm here to kill everybody because <laughs> yeah. I like killing everybody kind of thing. How would... dare you besmirch Frieza like this? <laughs> <laughs> it means freezer. <laughs> you store your fruits and vegetables. And uh, the fact that even though they kind of uh, nerfed it a little for the anime and the localization, like, uh, Yusuke definitely had like a fucked up upbringing. He had a fucked up childhood. Mm-hmm. Like he's a character it's that a, a lot guy. of people. It's more. It's like how a how a good guy can be turned bad by his surroundings, and you know having to deal with that. The fact that like so much of the uh, of the plot and his power wasn't about like you have to use your anger. You get angrier. It's like no, you have to like break down your barriers. You have to like let people in. You have to like feel things. Uh was definitely like I even as a even as a dumb, horny, adrenaline junkie anime fan, I would watch an episode of Yu Yu Hakusho and be like, oh, this hits different. There's like something else going on here. Bes- and on top of that, you know, the characters aren't all muscle bound freaks. They aren't right. all like you know, most of them are beautiful, except for Kuwabara, who I love, and <laughs> I love Jake, his voice. The, the people, exactly. The people want to know, though, did your horniness abound as well watching you? No, show? because they it wasn't <laughs> as horny either. 
you know, there was like some your usual like, uh, you know, the first few episodes, like what's the name of like the the childhood friend? Keiko. Uh, good girl, Keiko. Keiko. Yeah. Like it's established that like uh, our hero and his girl Friday's like little in joke is that he just like molests her casually. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like Ranma. That's everything. In the yeah, yeah anime. that's just normal. That's like, the old boob grab, the old skirt flip. You know what yeah, I mean? There you that's go. the yeah. Don't worry though, she would slap him really hard and <laughs> yeah. he would go spinning into the sky till it was a point of light. Yeah, he's so got physical his. abuse. So yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So Jake, you're saying you never had to pause the show for self gratification. No, not that show. <laughs> so Mike, uh, uh, Jake's talking about the anime. I'm like, I'm coming to this pretty, pretty cold, uh, and have enjoyed what I've read and seen this week. But it's you know a cram session, right? And it's coming at it as an adult, as as an appreciator, but from the other end, Kent. We always open with a bit of a what we call the gush. Seems like you were more drawn uh, to the manga. And like had more of a personal relationship with that. So, what is your gush for um, uh, the manga series and the anime as well? If you if you have that too. So, I didn't like get into manga really hard until I started the channel. But Yu Yu Hakusho was one of the things that I accidentally caught on time. So, like I was at my grandmother's yeah. house. I think I was twelve. She let me stay up super late and watch whatever I wanted. So, like Adult Swim was on. It was the first day of the run of the show. So I caught the first episode as it aired. Um, and I think this is like the only cool thing like that, that I ever like, it was, it was just like the right place, the right time. And something about it grabbed me instantly. Um, I think it was, there was, there was more cursing than usual, Mm -hmm. you know, like they, they would put things like Gundam wing on adult swim and everybody was oh so cool. But like there wasn't even cursing in that, you know, use K was an interesting character. I fell in love with Botan instantly. Mm. The voice acting is still to this day. I think it's one of the best dubs out there. Uh, and I just like, I I really did fall in love with the show, but it was hard to, it was hard to watch because it was on adult swim, especially for like, you know, younger kids and stuff. Uh, we were going to school, so it was on that like midnight one o'clock, you know? So I didn't get to catch it until it came back around on Toonami. And, uh, by the time it got to the dark tournament, man, like, you know, like like Jake was saying, it just hits different. But as far as the manga goes, uh, I did read that and I've read it through a couple times. It's very different in the beginning, and it is a, it is a progression of Togashi just getting more upset (laughs) as it goes on for like a a multitude of reasons, but you can watch and it's almost a painful experience to read this entire manga. Um, It's really hard to get. It's very expensive. If you're trying to buy it, Viz hasn't reissued it in a long time. So you can buy it digitally through the Shonen Jump app. But by the end of it, like Togashi has, has completely changed his art style. He's completely changed the tone of the series. And, Last chapter, last page on the back of it, there's this picture of a girl because he he would just like draw cute girls here and there. And she says, the pills or the roof, which one should I take? And that mm-hmm. is the end of Yu Yu Hakusho. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, jeez, that's the end, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> he was broken. Yeah, he was you, broken. I have absolutely. the most harrowing set of quotes when we get to the end of Yu Yu, uh, at least the manga section. Yes. It is like rough, man. Yeah. I was uh, taking kind of a shotgun blast approach to a lot of the anime and manga, just kind of trying to get like snapshots of different eras. Mm-hmm. And towards like the final arc, the Three King Demon Tournament, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a whole chapter where Yusuke literally is just in his own head, just being like, man, what the fuck am I even doing anymore? Why am I even here? What is the point of this fucking fight? I don't want to do this. Why am I doing (laughs) this? And you can tell that's the author just like complaining about his own narrative I can confirm that with a quote. Like he literally says that during that phase, like during near the end, he started sleeping better. And as he was sleeping better, he would like, I think kind of lay in bed and be like, what am what why am I do, putting myself through this? <laughs> yeah. Like why am I doing this? And and you know, yeah. And that's why you know in the Hunter Hunter when we get to that point and everyone com- bitches and complains it's like, dude, this guy like you need to give this guy mo- regular big breaks. Like you have to. I'm sorry. It just it needs to happen or he's literally is fucking he's going to die. Mangaka die. I mean, look what happened to uh the the guy who did Berserk. I mean, yeah, he worked so until sad about his it. heart exploded. Yeah. He, like literally out of his chest. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. March is National Kidney Month. People diagnosed with kidney disease need a game plan. At Fresenius Kidney Care, you have access to a kidney coach to help you understand kidney disease and learn about treatment options. If you want to learn how to protect your kidney health and feel your best, connect with a kidney coach today. Learn more at protectkidneyhealth.com. That's protectkidneyhealth.com. All right, here we go. Yu Yu Hakusho. Let's get into it. A Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Yoshihiro Togashi. Originally serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump from 1990 to 1994. An anime adaptation also ran for 112 episodes directed by Noriyuki Abe and co-produced by Fuji Television, Yomiko Advertising, and most importantly, Studio Piero. Uh, That series ran from 1992 to 1994. It's about a teenage delinquent named Yusuke uh, Urameshi, who is hit and killed by a car in an effort to save a child's life. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm so dumb. I just realized you, you, Yusuke Europe. It's he's a fucking backwards JoJo. Yeah. That's the whole fucking. <laughs> I'm. 
God, I'm dumb. It took me, I'm so old. It's been over 25 years and I was just, I just realized that. Jake, I hate to say this, but you're very old and you are very dumb. My bones, Holton, they're (laughs) turning to dust as I record this. You know I have to tell my friends that when I feel that way. Uh, (laughs) That's my thing. That's my little thing. Uh, So yeah, uh, Yusuke is hit and killed by a car in an effort to save a child's life. But how? He's a bad guy. Uh, He then ends up in the underworld of version of the afterlife and the son of the ruler of the underworld named Konma. Stop me for this one before guys, but it puts him through several tests, which he passes in order to be revived in the real world as underworld detective, which has him investigating cases involving demons and apparitions there. It doesn't matter. It just turns into a big tournament thing. <laughs> so just we'll, we'll scratch everything I just said, but let's get into it with uh, Togashi. Yoshihiro Togashi, the mangaka. Uh, he was born in Shinjo uh, Yamagata in 1966, his family owned a paper shop. Still, uh, They actually apparently do still to this day, which he lived above. Again, actually, though, this time for real, stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> we definitely talked about some of this stuff in that other episode, but I will say he did start out drawing manga at a very early age. His classmates would point out how good it was. They were like, you should try smoking cigarettes because <laughs> that's what's cool. And he was like, I just want to draw, bro. Say no to drugs. So he ends up... And then he was like, oh, wait, I'm in Japan. Smoking is fine. <laughs> Smoking is fine. We get and we, we should do it cancer, all the time. Even though we smoke eight times as much, it's just a <laughs> magic island full of perverts and racists. Not eating burgers three times a week really uh, works wonders on the health system there. But uh, yeah, he also his father was like a hobbyist with uh, manga, creating manga work. So he would copy his father's work as well. Probably definitely had an early in that way. Um, but actually, weirdly enough, his uh, major early influence of his... You know what? I see this a lot, though. He's a big uh, HR uh, Giger fan, right? Oh. But I see this a lot. A lot of... I, believe, I I feel like I remember a lot of mangakas being like, Alien, that's my shit. Was mm. Alien just like very well circulated in Japan? Like, what? what? There's a ton. I mean, Terminator, Alien, Back to the Future, like all those great 80s like icon movies were huge in Japan and kind of like right. it almost is this recursive thing where the rise of like our Funko Pop culture kind of is just a mirror of Japanese merchandise culture where all how that dare you, you could bring have gotten, up Funko Pop? How dare you, Jake? How, how do I how else do you describe the er nostalgia soul vortex we've been how, living I, in? All right, fine. How is Yu Yu Hakusho like Avatar 2? I, I, I just go ahead and get <laughs> well, it over a with. Lot like, uh, a lot like Jake Sully, uh, Irameshi <laughs> is in a world that is separated from the patterns and environments that uh, had forged him into the maladjusted being that he is. And only God by embracing these higher spiritual beings that he is now a part of and being welcomed into them to the point where he later in the series April! actually becomes a demon. Head out. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, I really felt like you top tier (laughs) cultural analysis on the the level of a, I am like, (laughs) I am fucking Zizek on fucking Zizek. Yeah. Yeah. Slap off Zizek. (laughs) 
whatever. <laughs> See, this is the level. You're on, I'm on a different level. But listen, I am a fucking S-class demon, and you're hanging out with uh, the fucking B-class bros, all right? Unbelievable. You're tier listing me right now? It's in the series. They do S-tier. We have a guest. We have a guest in this house. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> I will say also, uh, I feel like I'm having deja vu because we just did Chainsaw Man and that mangaka was also really, really into horror films, Mm -hmm. much like uh, our uh, current one, Togashi. He uh, cited two horror films that uh, he loves um, for Japan. There's a Japanese horror film called uh, Joyu Rei or Ghost Actress that he really likes. And that came out in 1996. And then he also loves 1978's Dawn of the Dead for just Mm -hmm. some influences of his growing up um he found his personal voice and art approach starting in junior high school as he quote became more fascinated by seeing the dirty part on the backside than the beautiful thing on the surface uh and while at college he submits his work to weekly young jump and in 1986 at the age of 20 he wrote a manga called but I almost said butt boy, but it's not butt boy. It's <laughs> Batobi Straight, and this wins him a Tetsuka Award. Batobi Straight follows a violent and impulsive boy as he attempts to become the captain of his school's baseball club. If you've listened to our manga anime uh, oriented episodes in the past, you'll know winning this award is a huge deal and gives you this like early in. Mm. Did you read any of his uh, older works, um, uh, Mike? Did, b- b- yeah, he was, yeah, he's one of the ones where I was just like, you know, I'm like, I'm focusing on Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter. There's been a couple one, like a couple mangaka well, it, where his previous stuff back. is vastly different. I mean, we'll yeah. talk about it in a second, but it was like he he started out with you know romantic comedy essentially, which yep. we're about to get to. But <laughs> I think that helped him with the more intimate, quieter moments of Yu Yu, though, and that's the stuff that people point to that says it really fills it out and makes those battles so worthwhile, like the fact that you get ingratiated to the characters so maybe but he felt like he was dog shit at romantic comedy so there's that too yeah i mean like i think that there was somewhere between romantic comedy and shonen battles what he wanted to write and he went too far to shonen battle you know what i mean like yeah so it is it is interesting that way the one of the things about uh togashi that i not i feel like doesn't get a lot of credit is that he does have a very humorous style he does uh-huh. have a lot of the hallmarks of like the big expressions, the funny reactions kind of there's uh, if they're not in an active fight, especially in those early uh, chapters of Yu Yu Hakusho, it pretty much reads kind of like a comedy anime. Yurameshi uh, is absolutely this cartoony, like highly reactive character who mm-hmm. is just like vacillating between like anger and joy and sadness and just kind of uh, through him, the audience is kind of having a chuckle at the ludicrousness of the situation he's in. I'm just realizing that all my favorite shonen stuff is like that, though. Like, I, you know, Demon Slayer, uh, Dragon Ball. I remember, like, when I used to was obsessed with Dragon Ball, like in middle and high school. Like I remember my, my buddies and I laughing a lot actually, mm-hmm. like in between stuff. Well, the original, yeah, the, the original Dragon Ball anime is like. It's like a gag anime with kung fu on the side, you know. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, Goku as a kid, I mean, Goku's got brain damage. Like the his entire character is he's got brain damage. He <laughs> fell and hit his head on a rock yeah. as a baby, and it's ever since now. he ain't been quite right. Yeah, he just likes fighting. He, he didn't know what a vagina was, awesome. dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it is. I wonder. I've never thought about this, but is the battle anime just the natural like evolution of just Tom and Jerry ass cartoon violence? Like hmm. from an early proto age, like the earliest form of cartooning is guy gets bonked on the head. Yeah. And then yada, 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 70 years later, we got fucking uh, My Hero Academia trying to bonk someone on the head so hard that it saves all life in the universe. Are you just saying like that? that yeah, exactly. Battle anime is three stooges. <laughs> it's the inevitability of three stooges. Like once three yeah. stooges hits, hits the zenith, you know what once I mean? They, yeah, because they have to become more powerful with each <laughs> yeah. season or like, why are we watching? Right? The power so, been three stooges. <laughs> <laughs> once they availed us, Super Saiyan God Shemp, it was all downhill for the series. <laughs> so so he gets this award at the age of 20 while attending Yamagata University, uh, where he studied education with the goal to become a teacher afterwards. So uh, no, no intention of becoming a mangaka. But during his senior year at college, he was hit up by an editor at Weekly Shonen Jump who advised him, move to Tokyo, get this career going, fuck the teacher thing. Teachers are for idiots. Don't be a teacher. <laughs> Be a fucking uh, uh, work, work yourself to death instead. So he <laughs> moves to Tokyo and his first thing, we were just talking about it a little bit. Well, actually, I guess before the romantic, com- well, this is kind of also romantic comedy. He gets a series of comedy manga short stories published titled Okami Nante no Wakuna, which uh, translates to I'm not afraid of the wolf. And this is just Teen Wolf. This is just <laughs> manga Teen Wolf. Uh, really down to every description I've read. It's just, I'm not even going to tell you the description of it because just look up the synopsis for the Michael J. Fox film Teen Wolf, (laughs) uh, which has one of my favorite scenes in a movie ever, which is when a man turns into a werewolf in the middle of a basketball game. Everyone freezes and then the ref just says, play ball as if we're not going, (laughs) and then we just, he just plays the basketball game and there's just no actual reaction reaction of fear or terror in that moment whatsoever. I love it so much. The scene that sticks out to me from Teen Wolf is the one where he has to tell his best friend that he's a werewolf and the friend goes whoa 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 you're not going to tell me you're gay are you (laughs) and michael j fox goes no 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 i'm a wolf i'm a wolf i'm a unholy lycanthrope monster no no bro 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 i'm not no bro don't worry in fact i'm I'm incredibly horny (laughs) one of my things as you'll see in some of the later scenes in this film that we're in right now so he then puts out the ro- romance manga I was referring to earlier, Tende Shawaru Cupid, or An Ill-Tempered Cupid in Heaven. And it centers around the relationship between a human boy and a beautiful devil girl. This runs for 32 chapters in Weekly Shonen Jump. It ends in 1990. And he is just really struggling with this book. He looks back on it in, in a bit of a negative light. He feels it just wasn't his genre, wasn't his wheelhouse. Uh, and that instead, he's, he's seeing the success success of a lot of his uh, fellow artists with a different genre, the, of course, shonen genre, um, the fight mangas. And he he was like, I want to enjoy my work more than I did just now. And I also want to like blow it out and have something really successful and something big. So he decides to try his hand at it. He's a big fan of occult and horror movies. And so... 
He could instill that interest into his next work and looked back on a work he'd previously published called Occult Tentadon, which was an occult detective fiction that was actually quite well received. So Yu Yu Hakusho translates to uh, Poltergeist Report or Ghost Files. Uh, And initially the title he used while working on it was How to Be a Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and later pitched Yu Yu Kai, which translates to Poltergeist Chronicles. However, there was uh, another book in the works that was too, had too similar of a title. So they landed on Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, and so uh, he starts to create his characters, kind of character first. And that's the thing where we can kind of get to the, the major first point, which is we keep talking about how it started one way and then it changes gears into this battle thing. But um, surprisingly enough, actually, because a lot of times that's because someone's working on something and they're like, this isn't right. And then they change direction. He actually always intended to do that. And he intended to do that very specifically because he wanted to ingratiate these characters with the audience first by doing this kind of lead up stuff with all the, the, the ghost detective stuff. And then when he threw them into battle scenarios, it would be all the more impactful, dramatic all this that and the other you don't have to like build any of that up we can just do these fights and we're already like in emotionally and all that kind of stuff it makes a lot of sense because um one of the things that i yeah if they didn't do that groundwork those later battle arcs wouldn't have as much of a punch because i get I, i this i keep drawing the comparison to dragon ball because it was the big dog in the room at that exact same time, like the mm-hmm. anime and the manga were being released at the same time. They were in like direct competition with each other. And, you know, there's they'll do a thing where, uh, let's say, Tien is fighting and he's like, oh, I, I want to be strong or whatever. But like, oh, I got I, oh, I'm Tien. <laughs> but <laughs> conversely, the buddy squad in Yu Yu Hakusho, you got Hiei and Kurama and a character like Kurama, he's the beautiful uh, red-haired uh, man with uh, vine whip powers, and like he can turn into a sexy fox god. And oh, yeah. he has a whole ass backstory where like he has dueling personalities about like who he is when he needs to live in the human world, and who he is when he needs to live in the demon world, and embracing like his love for his human family with the power that godhood can like give him, and all of these different uh, kind of motivations and emotional strings are all present and they only really come out when he's in a life or death situation and you get to do that thing where uh time slows to a crawl and before he throws his next attack we have to hear about his entire life story (laughs) he loves his mommy dude he loves his mommy so much i mean listen as someone who also has a human mommy they're pretty great (laughs) i heard my fiance laugh from the other room Karama also, by the way, is based on a person in Yoshihiro's real life. Yoshihiro said, Karama's model is my friend. He is Japanese, but insists he's a French aristocrat. So that was fascinating. That kind of paints a really interesting picture for sure. Karama is definitely a lot of uh, baby's first androgynous, uh, beautiful Mm. bishoujo uh, crushes. I know a lot of people... Have totally a, uh, have a very strong response to Karama's character yeah. to the point where I think in the Japanese anime, it's like a female like voice actor doing kind of a low voice for the character. And this is just a, this is just a, one of those like fun little side things that I learned while uh, doing research for this. 
one of the character designers for the anime was an honest to God, like fangirl doujinshi artist by the name of Mari Kitayama, who would in her own spare time draw like kind of Yoey-esque fan art of Hiei and Kurama embracing each other. And she got a lot of that artwork made into like official merchandise and production art. Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i also wanted to bring this up and we always end up referencing this and it always gives me this crazy nostalgia blast um that's right i'm bringing up a uh, muscle because uh apparently his idea to switch gears the way he did in from like this kind of inve- ghost investigator into the uh battle the tournament stuff uh it's based on the manga series kaniku man which is was a parody of Ultraman, and we know it in the States as those weird little pink action figures if you were a kid that grew up at all in the 80s. Uh, muscle, or M-U-S-C-L-E. The, these weird like eraser-like action figures that were licensed by Mattel for sale in the U.S. in the 80s. I had no idea they had anything to do with an anime in Japan at the time, and my brother was really fucking into them, and so I have such a weird, like, ah, like my childhood uh, kind of blast. Second only to MODOK in great acronyms of pop culture history, MUSCLE stands for Millions of Unusual Small Creatures Lurking <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, apparently that manga series also started out, but in a slightly different way, it started out as a straight-up parody comedy, mm. nothing but jokes, and then, like, at a certain point, it switched into these, like, battles and stuff, and and uh, so he, like, he saw that that really worked in this very interesting way for them, almost accidentally, and so he decided to, like, purposefully do that with the manga. As, as a reader of it... Um, Mike is like that opening bit is that um, I feel like people find it to be a little slow in the anime. Is it like really do you prefer the tournament stuff? Are you just trying to get through that stuff to get to it? Or is that opening stuff like great? And then uh, it kind of reminds me of like my favorite horror movies make me forget. I'm watching a horror movie before the horror shit happens Mm. because I'm just enjoying the characters and the setup so much. Right. You know what I mean? So when I was a kid, like I loved the early episodes. Um, So like, I would say that definitely worked then. I mean, at this point it's hard to gauge because like, it's my job to endlessly, endlessly watch anime. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I will say that when I go back and rewatch, um, I do usually start, I'll watch the Genkai, like, first, like, little tournament thing where, uh, with, uh, with Rando. Um, and then I will kind of skip to uh, when Yusuke and Kuwabara like bust into uh, and meet uh, to go out for the first time. But it was interesting reading the the manga because the beginning of the manga is a lot longer than the beginning of the anime. So like, mm. there's a bunch of stories that don't get told in the anime oh, cool. at all. Yeah, it's almost like a monster of the week kind of deal. Like while Yusuke's still a ghost, there's one th- there's one time when he like helps out like a boxer. You know, he like goes into this boxer's mm. body and is like teach him how to fight, teach him how to be a man. You know that like Japanese <laughs> machismo thing. And like there's a there's a bunch of interesting stories in there that were really fun mm. to read for the first time, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it helps to fall in love with the characters first. Um, but for me, because I've already fallen fallen in love with them, um, it's not as fun to watch. But 
when I have people watch it for the first time, because, you know, like in our discord or whatever, Yu Yu Hakusho is always a big topic. There's people who haven't seen it. Um, they have trouble getting into it as adults, Mm. you know, from the first episode. So I'm like, you know what? Like maybe skip to the Genkai. Don't watch the Saint Beasts and then go into the (laughs) Tagoros. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 totally. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. March is National Kidney Month. People diagnosed with kidney disease need a game plan. At Fresenius Kidney Care, you have access to a kidney coach to help you understand kidney disease and learn about treatment options. If you want to learn how to protect your kidney health and feel your best, connect with a kidney coach today. Learn more at protectkidneyhealth.com. That's protectkidneyhealth.com. Don't you want to see whether or not his egg will hatch a creature of goodness or evil? <laughs> yes, but you don't see that until like episode what, like 65 or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember. Like, where does poo come around? <laughs> yeah, the creature named poo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, wait. So you're talking about there's a shitty egg? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> when he goes to Spirit World for the first time and he meets Koenma, <laughs> Koenma gives him a spirit egg. And if he's if he's good, it will hatch into something that will like be benevolent for him. And if he's evil, it'll hatch and it'll eat him. And then they just kind of like throw that out the fucking window <laughs> like real quick like, there's a bunch of things in the show that are thrown out real quick like use case given a bunch of gadgets uh like mm. right off the bat gone in like three chapters you never hear about him again it's like he's <laughs> got like a spirit detector and a spirit watch and i don't know this thing he wears on his finger that makes a spirit gun cooler and like it's just all <laughs> gone just totally forgotten huh. it's, it's very strange <laughs> very bizarre yeah so so, it's almost as if the premise of a ghost detective is uh, not as compelling and more difficult to write than ghost beat the shitter out of her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Demon ass kicker just really just like lights the brain up more uh, easily than hear me out. Hear me <laughs> out. There's there's spirit police and they got to go to spirit police school. <laughs> For uh, Hiai and Kurama, by the way, uh, he introduced he introduced both of them early on, and Tagashi really like knew Kurama was going to be a hit, but he was kind of surprised about the other one. Tagashi said, "I was conscious that Kurama would become popular when I was drawing him, but that was not the case with uh, Hiai. With uh, no particular aim in mind, he was purely about what I thought was cool, like the incarnation of Chuni." Uh, he giggles at this. I think that's how he came uh, came out. I love this Ch- Chuni is short for Chuni. B- 
Rubio. And it is a funny Japanese term for the embarrassing behavior of 13 to 14 year olds. <laughs> this is a passage from TVTropes.com, which describes it well. As a colloquial term, the exact symptoms of Chunibyu aren't entirely set in stone. But in general, Chunis act overly melodramatic, know nothing, know it alls, who think of themselves as more awesome than everyone else because of exp- experiences, abilities, and even special powers that they clearly don't have. Imagine kids trying to convince you in the most obnoxious way possible that they're accomplished ninjas who could kick your ass and you kind of have the idea. It's so just these are the kids that have God in anime on their side. Is yeah, that yeah. Right? It's, just, it's just like if you think of like the cringiest part, it's just cringe. Yeah, like, I love it. I love it so much. No, I love no, that it has a word for it. Cooler than okay. Yes, yes. He can, he has the black flame dragon attack. That's and so cool yes, though. But he's he's got he's like always super stoic. He's always super like uh, he's kind of got that Piccolo energy where like he's never the main guy, but whenever he gets to like do anything it's always cool i was listening to some uh, commentary from the funimation voice cast and uh i believe it was chuck huber was talking about how uh he was just randomly watching cable tv with his wife when yu yu haku show was on the air and it came up and she was like hey isn't that the show you're on and he was like yeah check it out and literally even though he was in the entire episode he didn't say a single word except hmm and that was it <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny that you bring up piccolo because uh, you know i always looked at he as kind of like the vegeta stand in because cuz he is at first cuz that's just short bias well he <laughs> but he wants to kill yusuke for like the first like 20 episodes but then he really does become piccolo like after the saint beast you know what i mean mm. it really mm-hmm. it's way more of a piccolo thing now that i think about it cuz piccolo wanted to kill goku too that, dude you really put that together for me like, yeah, yeah, he denies that. the Vegeta. That was not the inspo for for mm, he. Yeah, yeah, by the yeah. way, too. Yeah, he, he's firmly like everyone wants to compare him to Vegeta, but it's like that's not where I <laughs> got, got the it. Hair, dude. He's got the hair. He's got the hair. He's got the 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 Lancer role for a lot of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, Kuabara maybe is the Vegeta, but even then, it's not quite. He's kind of like Kuabara is kind of other. a Krillin. I have always yeah. rooted for Krillin. Yeah, Kuwabara is the one that's he's so human that by the time they get to the last arc, they literally had to make him stay home because (laughs) just the power creep had left him so far in the dust. (laughs) It's like, I'm done. But he did have that awesome voice by Christopher Sabat. All right, here we go. Here it comes again. He was a great vocal performance, Yusuke. I think in Tagashi's, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to move it forward, Jake. I'm going to have to move past this moment. Uh, I think Tagashi is a really interesting dude, and I have some like stuff about just his approach to work and all that, uh, especially during this time. He said, I do not like stories that follow a predefined scheme. I always try to make things more interesting, more unexpected. And when Tagashi runs out of story ideas, he turns to, quote, Western movies, martial arts series, and miniseries of myths and history. And so, yeah, it's fantasy, sci-fi, and horror or like the three tent poles for his uh like influence or at least his watching outside of uh uh outside of his work tagashi um uh had this say on writing and what he uh wants and how he wants it 
With no particular goal in mind, I thought freeing up this passion sealed inside me would lead to amazing things. I was really focused on what I thought was cool rather than what others might think, which is weirdly contradictory because he was also like, I want to do something that like breaks the polls open. But he was very firm with the editors on when the series would end and when the editorial department tried to get him to change his mind about it, he calmly explained that once it was canceled, it would just be replaced with some other manga, which I just feel like it tells you a lot about who this guy is. And he's always, I feel like he's always like throwing them for a loop and that kind of stuff. Um, he also had this to say about becoming a mangaka. Generally, I feel like I'm living someone else's life now. Since I was born in a small town as the eldest son, you'd think I'd feel ashamed if I didn't secure some sort of nine-to-five career. But I've never felt that way. In my second year of college, I realized I'm sort of an outcast when it comes to what society expects of you. And I've learned to enjoy that character trait of mine. I've known about Shonen Jump systems since my days as a reader, and I assumed there were a lot of social outcasts working there like myself. So I wanted to enjoy enjoy the game too but in order to participate in the game i knew i'd have to get votes so uh he also uh, tagashi reveres his fellow mangakas at shonen jump so much that he made it a point to not get to know them so he could keep this childlike view of them so he could learn that like their shit doesn't never have to learn their shit stinks <laughs> so again just such this guy is so interesting and he describes the shonen jump scene as quote my playground almost like a game because of the system in place if you don't get the reader votes you're done but if you do get the votes you can survive in this world it's very cut and dry i've managed to perfectly balance that feeling with a sense of admiration for the company that again i feel like especially if you look at like the battle system of hunter hunter and how intricate it is and how defined it is of like who will win and who will lose i think that is 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 kind of bleeds into his his life i think if you look at our protagonist of yu yu haku show He's this outcast that doesn't feel like he really fits in in the world. I think we're seeing the mangaka in him as well. So interesting shit. And to, to interject on that a little bit, I mean, Japan, I mean, especially in the 90s, but just as much uh, so today, it's a society where if you don't fit the mold, which is like a very clear cut standard thing, you're done. Like yeah. they, you, you, nobody wants to have anything to do with you. You're not going to get married. You're not going to have kids. I mean, that's part of the reason you see so many of these like isekai out now, right? I went to another world because I got smashed by a truck. Like there are actually a lot of people in that country that don't leave their house because they don't fit into society. They didn't do good in school. They weren't able to enter the workforce. Um, I mean, the kids go to school six days a week. They only have a couple weeks off a year until they hit the workforce and then they work until they die you know like yeah. sometimes like often at their own desk like they have a word for dying at work right it's called kuroshi like you know so it's it's honestly when you hikamori or kuroshi which one are you those yeah, are the two yeah. choices have fun <laughs> yeah, it's it's the yeah. <laughs> so so when you decide to become a mangaka and so many of the mangaka out there are they're fucking weirdos, man. You know, yeah. like, and so when you, you can't just tiptoe into that life. You have to go 100% all in, give up everything else and make it work or you're doomed forever, forever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a huge risk. It's, it's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's totally crazy, but they do have love hotels. So yeah, they, they, that's they kind do. of fun. <laughs> 
They got we themed have, one. I want to. I want to go to the Godzilla one. Any Tokyo. hotel can be a love hotel if you try hard enough. <laughs> all right. Well, I've turned a lot of hotels into love fucking <laughs> hotels in my day, Jake. All right. The walls take a black light in there. You'd be like, oh, it's clean. It's it already was a love covered. hotel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's weird. They painted this hotel in some kind of black light paint. <laughs> the coverage is so wow. Even. It's just completely. Look at the patterns. Just, it's amazing. Yeah. Look at that. There's a starfish over there. It's like a leopard print. What? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is that is absolutely wild. And um, before I wanted to get, I want to get into like the dark side uh, at the end of Yu Yu Hakusho. But I wanted to highlight maybe the legacy before we get into the anime too. I mean, is it really just at the end of the day ahead of the pack in terms of other fight uh, manga out there, at least in its time, because of the characterization? Were there other things that made it? You know, I think that when we explored Hunter Hunter, we we came to the conclusion it was it was bat it was battle anime for the like the battle anime enthusiast. It was like you know c- comedy for comics, right? Kind of thing. What, mm-hmm. But for you, you what uh, in terms of its legacy? Is it just that you have these like people you can c- connect to, what and then also watch them fight, and less about you know fist of the north star style, just like I'm fucking badass. Let's just see how badass we can make everything. I mean, I think I think a lot of it had to do with the time period. Uh, that it came to the West, right? So it was like right around 9-11. People were feeling like real grumpy. You know, it wasn't a good time. <laughs> it was a grumper time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I, like I was on the East Coast. I was very close, you know, obviously not in New York City, but like we were, we were all having a bad time. Um, and Yusuke was a grump, you know? And and it also like a real punk. And that was that was a time when like... Punk was kind of like leaking into the mainstream. You know, you had a lot of those mm-hmm. bands that were like, they were getting the radio play, you know, like past the offspring and past Green Day and stuff. We're and, in the Blink uh-huh. 182 Ocalypse right now. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> Chemical Romance type uh-huh. you know, Green Day with American Idiot, like that type of stuff. And <laughs> I think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all, all of that. So I think that Yusuke, um, had a lot of that kind of rebellious, like fuck the system spirit. And w- the funny thing is, is that in Japan, like when you slick your hair back like that, or Kubara, like Kubara has the uh, pompadour, right? Yeah, that's the pompadour like, is the equivalent of having like a full liberty face tattoo yeah, in yes, Japan. Yes, <laughs> it's liberty spikes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's a sign <laughs> that you are a badass. And like you know, they smoke cigarettes and they're they're just like punk kids. You know, so I think that really helped. But then when you get to the dark tournament specifically which is you know the tenkaichi budokai tournament from uh dragon ball that's the same kind of explosion is when you get that like all the feels because because of genkai like genkai Mm. is so much of the heart of that show which is so fascinating because we haven't described genkai yet Yeah, yeah yeah let's talk about it yeah like she she is this little old hermit lady who is I, I don't I don't she's a grumpy old hag, you know, who loves <laughs> video games and drinking and smoking. And she <laughs> is the the Zen karate master in the show, which is I've never seen that in anything else. It's never a little old lady. It's always a master yeah. Roshi. He's always like trying yeah. to look up the the skirts, you know, They'll like do the uh, feminine master. But like she always has to have massive gazangas. Yeah, in uh-huh. modern yeah anime. Ex- yes. Ex- yeah. Genkai was Genkai was special. She was the she was the grandma that, 
you know, your parents sucked, but you could go to grandma's house and, mm. you know, she might kick your ass, I'm, but. Yusuke was literally from a, like, the dad was out of the picture. The mom mm-hmm. was an alcoholic, heavily implied to be a sex worker in the manga. They kind of yep. cut that out of the anime. She was but, an like, extortionist. Yeah, he had a rough upbringing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, she extorted the, yaku- the, the Yakuza constantly and, <laughs> and the police as well. Like, she was, she was kind of a dirty player, but yeah, it was like, yeah, and, and Genkai being so important and then having everything to do with the Dark Tournament, because the Dark Tournament wasn't just Yusuke versus Tagoro. It was Yusuke versus Tagoro, Tagoro versus Genkai, the past between them and her really like bequeathing that that power and that legacy to Yusuke as somebody who is old and dying would bequeath something to the generation after. You know what I mean? There was something like really special about that, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Frieza saga was about, is it okay to blow up entire planets? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How mad can you get? You know? <laughs> yeah. What if a large obese green man can give you a power bump because the plot demands it? Yeah. <laughs> these are the questions that the Frieza saga asked. Yes. Man, just remembering all these days. We used to go walk around. No, no, this is what we do. We take shots of Smirnoff 100. We do Ugh. two to... Th- yeah, we did. In my buddy's room, lukewarm Smirnoff 100. We trace, chase with Gatorade. <laughs> then we go walk around until it kicked in. And then we drunkenly watch Dragon Ball at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Both of my friends I did this with are now recovered alcoholics. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for waking me up. <laughs> I'm still going strong. Uh, anywho, as we alluded to, it seems to have been a massive relief for Tagashi to end the series, which he did in 1994. He wrote a, a very honest letter to his fans. It was printed in the final volume of the manga. And he spoke about the great relief he felt uh, completing it. He said, it's not that I've lost all emotional attachment to the work, but I feel that my stress levels had greatly surpassed my will to work. The six months leading up to the concluding chapter felt awfully long to me. To tell the truth, it had already been decided that YYH was going to end in December 1993. Or rather, this was a decision that I had forced on the editorial staff. The major reasons for this that he lists are, quote, my body... Thoughts I had about what it means to draw manga and desire to do other things than work. <laughs> he wrote that since he started work on YYH, he, had, he, quote, had half a day off every week in which he caught up on sleep, half a day off. Mm-hmm. And besides that, he had a nap here or there. And if he wanted to enjoy one of his hobbies, he'd have to sacrifice sleep. Tagashi said, around the time that I wrote a 31-page one-shot and simultaneously had to do color pages, my heart began to hurt every time I went without sleep, and then it began to hurt more and more often. So he started to focus on getting more sleep every night, and then his mind started wandering towards the thought of, and that was the thing I referenced earlier, uh, he started to think, quote, I don't want to die from overwork. If I die, I want it to be when I'm having fun or when I'm drawing manga for fun. Color pages are scary. One shots are scary. Then he <laughs> and then he was overwhelmed by the stress that his manga was suffering due to his taking better care of himself. He was also burdened with the drive to draw all draw all of his own manga without help. Tagashi said Back when I had just had my debut, my editor at the time had shown me a manga page by Hagiwara uh, Kazushi, uh, who d- did Bastard. Mm. 
I felt that if I were honest with myself, my art would never be able to compete with something like this. But I was never able to throw away my ideal of being able to draw manga without help from other people. A few times during the run of YYH, I finished my manuscripts all by myself. All of these instances were when my stress levels were at their highest. I don't know if anyone will understand, but when I was stressed because I wasn't satisfied with my manga, the only way for me to relieve this stress was to draw all my manga myself. He goes on to write that those times he did that, he was extremely let down by the result, and yet he was also satisfied that he did it on his own, and writes later that he really just wanted to, moving forward, quote, draw manga for myself without thinking about anyone's reactions, as the reader polls were his obsession when he went into writing YYH. The other big statement he made was that, quote, it saddens me to say this, but I had explored every possible direction for the YYH characters that I could in the context of a professional publication. All I could do at this point was start deconstructing the characters or go on repeating the same storylines over and over until the readers got bored. And the interesting thing is he actually pitched this character deconstruction concept to the editors and they shot it down. But mm-hmm. he really wanted to just start getting really like... Maybe even like Evangelion-y with it and and, and start to like break down, like get kind of off the beaten path of exploration of like these these people, which could have been interesting. I mean, sick. The right? last arc really almost could have been its own like demon world Game of Thrones with these like compelling characters uh-huh. all used to be friends, used to be heroes, now at odds with one another. Finally, their goals are no longer common. Uh, and it just devolves into the most hastily slapped together tournament arc ever to the point where like the winner is declared off screen basically. <laughs> and the winner is like some guy we like barely talked to. Yeah. Like he was, uh-huh. he was just like done, done. Yeah. Even the commentary on the anime, like w- uh, that I read was essentially like they even tried to zhuzh up that final arc in the mm-hmm. anime a bit more, but it was still just not never reached the quality that you got in, say, like, the Dark Tournament arc yeah. or anything. The Dark, God, people will constantly point out the Dark Tournament as, like, the high... I guess we got to talk about it as the anime. Let's talk... Yeah, we, let's let's talk yeah. about the anime. Yeah, yeah, I only have one more quote from Tagashi about the manga. In conclusion, I ended YYH because of my own selfishness. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> Man, so one thing one thing I did want to point about out about the manga for the, like to to end it off is like when Togashi started, he was working with screen tone constantly. Mm-hmm. So like when you see a mm-hmm. manga and it's got all this beautiful shading and everything like that, that's screen tone. It you stick it onto the paper. It's like you got to cut it out and stuff. It's a yeah, it's yeah. a huge pain in the butt. Painstaking work with an exacto knife. If you apply yeah. it wrong, you got to start over again. Yep. And then he just, by the end, done. No more at all. And if you look at Hunter Hunter, it's the same. Basically, what he he went minimalist, and that's the way he likes it. And you know, uh-huh. it works out perfectly well. But it is a like if you look at the first page of the first Yu Yu Hakusho, and then you look at the last page, it's like a completely different manga. Uh-huh. It's super strange, but hmm. yeah. All right, the anime. The anime adaptation directed by Noriyuki Abe, and this was his first gig as lead director on an anime series at the age of 31. However, he would become known as one of the great battle anime guys, like, for sure. Like, his reputation, he goes on to do Bleach, Boruto, all sorts of stuff, and really staked his claim as one of the 
go tos for um the uh, f- for fight fight anime series. Um, the show is co-produced, as I already said. Fuji Television, Tomiko Advertising Studio, Piero, though, um, really is like the the I think the reason for the season of why uh, the anime ends up being so good. I mean, Piero is the is uh, the French word uh, for the a famous clown character from Commedia dell'arte. Uh, it's basically the equivalent of uh, Petey, is little Petey, but the word just means a generic clown in Japanese. Weirdly, though, Piro, the only reason why I like know that name right off the bat from that Cowboy word Bebop, is because right? of fucking <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. It's also anime related because of that. <laughs> That's my favorite episode of but, that uh, series. This uh, Piro has had a very unique history where, uh, besides uh, classics that we brought up just because the name is funny, Creamy Mommy, the Magic Angel. <laughs> Love creepy. They kind of just like bounced around <laughs> and then like hit like real big. Uh, Yu Yu Hakusho was kind of their huge hit after uh, what was like their first big one? Uh, oh, Lum. They did Lum. Uh, you know, Usera, Yurisei, Yatsu, whatever, you know, Magic Bikini, Alien Girl. Uh, they ended Fuck up doing yeah. Great Teacher, <laughs> Onizuka after Yu Yu Hakusho. And then they so hit it good. super big. With Bleach and Hikaru no Go, and like they've just been going strong ever since. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was they were a very established anime studio at the time. But Yu Yu Hakusho was kind of a bastard child of the of the company. It was a lot of the younger blood that was given this task to adapt this thing. They had a really tough time finding advertisers it was a real uphill battle and it was just like the passion that this team had to like push it through the finish line or just i'm sorry deep push it across the starting line right i mentioned that uh you know one of the character designers just straight up thought the cool demon boys were hot and that was her <laughs> big influence it's it's it it definitely had like a specific uh kind of edge to it that was definitely you know the earlier episodes Definitely play out like any other 90s anime adaptation. A lot of bright colors, a lot of fun comedy bits. But you get to a point where uh, around the Dark Tournament era, they get a hold of an amazing storyboard artist, an amazing uh, action director, an amazing just animator by the name of Akiyuki Shinbo. Yes. And this dude, when people list like their favorite episodes, uh, especially like the wielder of the black flame or the dragon flame. I forget what it is, but that's like Hiei's big, like, oh shit moment in uh, the, in the dark tournament arc, the animation clicks into a wholly different gear. Like there's way more like uh, expressive forms in the action. There's way more use of shadow and extreme expressions. Everything is just like, tilts up to a very raw kind of like feel it in your gut brutal animation style and it's definitely Shinbo who like kind of brought that extra oomph to the proceedings yeah Shinbo then went on to be a massive muckety muck at Studio Shaft and went on to co-direct Holden I know your favorite anime Puella Madoka Magica as well as the uh, Monogatari series, which gets mentioned all the time for its bonkers ass visceral animation. Yeah, that's what I love. Is I just feel like Puella has just so many, and this is what he became known for on Yu Yu. That he's just so many iconic visual moments. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just this visual feast and. 
for this uh, tournament arc, he just was the so good at at creating memorable battle climax moments that just stuck with the viewer. Yeah, yeah. When the like when the Sakuga hits, especially um, like you were saying with the, the Dragon of the Darkness Flame, you know, like when he, when he goes nuts. There's a couple scenes where like. It's the kinetic movement of the characters. It's not like like uh, Dragon Ball Z has a lot of like real quick hits. You know, like when when Dragon mm-hmm. Ball Z does something really cool, it's usually when a character immediately gets in another character's face and then spikes him, something mm-hmm. like that. But with Yu Yu Hakusho, especially like Yusuke, when you watch him, he's a brawler. He's got one attack and it's a right hook. <laughs> and it, like if, if I was I was paying attention to it last time I watched it, I was like, that's literally all he does. It's just a big, it's like one right hook. But with the way he winds up and his arm gets elastic in a lot of these scenes, and like his whole body like twists in with this uh, this punch, and you can just you can feel it. You know, you can feel the effort that he put into, especially when this dark tournament and after the dark tournament, um, with that one arc with the uh, the other kids that have like weird spirit powers and stuff, and that's oh, when they get crazy when they with get the into colors. the territories or whatever. Yeah, they, that whole yeah. Thing. Some of the art in that is insane. Like room stretches, like to oh, give. Yeah, it's it's so. By good. that time, they were definitely going for the JoJo energy, where they introduced yeah. the idea of spirit powers manifesting as territories with weird rules and you have to learn the other villains' rules. Yep, <laughs> in order to get out of it, and like that is. A, a prelude to kind of what happens in Hunter x Hunter, but also the JoJo OVA was being released at around the same time. JoJo was exploding and Togashi was definitely trying, again, just desperate for those votes, just trying to bring in all the cool shit that he could through the series. Also, another uh, speaking of this kind of like the elasticity and everything you guys are talking about, that might be all, also credited to another animator people point to at Sushi uh, Wakapayashi. Wakapayashi's animation is described this way by Sakuga Blog, which kind of broke down what made this Ooh. show really great. Um, for me in my findings. Uh, The elasticity of his animation makes his sequences unconcerned by realism, carry a curious sense of momentum while flowing in a fantastic manner. Yeah. I think it's kind of just a succinct way of describing what you guys were just talking about. So that might be this Wakabayashi guy. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. I love it. Super cool. (laughs) People point to the Dark Tournament arc the same way that people talk about the Frieza saga it literally uh, just, it's uh, to- the younger Togoro brother. I hate that I have to differentiate that because <laughs> the older Togoro brother is like nothing, but whatever. Yeah. Kind of waltzes in at the end of a fairly normal, just like adventure arc and just changes the game is just like, I'm on a completely different power level than you. You are about to enter a world of unprecedented stakes and violence and you have to get on my level real quick, real fast. And it just completely kind of, just does a needle drop on the proceedings. And it is the fact that we learned about all these characters the whole time. We're introduced to uh, all these separate teams. You know, Naruto has done it. Bleach has done it. They just, all of a sudden, all these individual teams full of unique, memorable characters are all thrown into the mix. And uh, a lot of it is the classic kind of shonen, like, I what should I do next? I'm going to use this move. And then like right. every single character in the audience is like, oh, he's doing that move. Will that <laughs> yeah. work? 
pretty risky. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Pretty, risky. Okay. <laughs> pretty risky. Yeah. Oh, there's one amazing Kuwabara moment in the Dark Tournament arc where I think it's the Yuki fight. Yuki is just this like pretty boy wind demon. And oh, uh, Yusuke Jin, I think Jin. it's Jin. Yeah, Jin. Jin. You're right. I got the name. <laughs> and he's up. got the Irish accent. That's really, really, really terrible. You know, <laughs> oh, it's beautifully terrible. And so they're doing that kind of Dragon Ball fists and kick flying. Like it's three frames of animation looped of just them going like, and like uh, Kuwabara is like, everyone's like, oh, oh, and the fight's clearly going too fast for Kuwabara to keep track. And the, and I think Hie or Karama's like. Kuwabara, do you understand what's happening? He's like, yeah, they're punching really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Kuwabara's the best, man. He's he's the glue. He's the glue. I mean, if it wasn't for Kuwabara, Yusuke wouldn't have won the tournament. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, pulling the the shady shindig. Well, really just wanted to die. Mm. And he really, (laughs) I hate when they do that, man. He had a broken heart, man. What are you going to do? What was that one line? He was just like, clearly you've never (laughs) suffered a broken heart or something like that. (laughs) But anywho, just to sum it up, really, and kind of like, what they're doing in the actual um, in the actual arc of the dark tournament arc, you know the the whole team apparently just had this very cool competitive sense with each other, and they're constantly just trying to one up each other and do the next next coolest thing. And I forget what other anime we talked about that was like that, but it was also like that's why it was so good because everybody was just constantly trying to be like, oh okay that's what you got, and then like all right cool this is what I got. Um, and it's an awesome series. It's great. Did you watch the movies or the OVAs? The OVAs just seem to be rehashes uh, of the series, right? So, in a weird way. Yeah, uh, Mike, if you please explain the Save weirdness us. with Save the movie. Save us, Mike. So I, I got the movie sitting on the shelf behind me. Um, it, I've watched it a couple times. I don't remember anything about it other than it was bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was dubbed by a completely different team, too. It was released okay. in America before Yu Yu Hakusho, the series, was brought to America. Oh. And they don't, like, have any explanation for who these characters are or yes. why. Kuwabara, I think, is called Kuwahara or something. Like... <laughs> Weird, but dude. it's it's just this stand <laughs> like like any anime movie. It's a villain that comes out of nowhere and just lets all the characters do a bunch of cool shit that they never got to do in the mainline series, but they can never do it or talk about it ever again. Yeah. So it's all just a standalone thing for them to do a bunch of cool shit. <laughs> well, are you going to skip the live action Netflix series? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, before before we get <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, most likely. The uh, localization. Oh, right. How dare I? Which is the reason why it matters this much, uh, was actually kind of a a big deal for Funimation, which we talked about. uh, You know, Ken uh, Fukunaga literally got his co-worker to sell his family's farm to buy the rights for Dragon Ball um, from his uncle who worked at Toei, who, like, greased the deal to get his nephew the rights to Dragon Ball in America. Uh, And they were basically the Dragon Ball company up until that point. And Yu Yu Hakusho was kind of their next big thing, which makes sense. It was a uh, battle anime from the exact same time. If Dragon Ball works, this will work. And it was uh, Justin Cook, who's the voice of Yusuke, who uh, really kind of like got things going because he was the voice cast director. He was the casting director 
for the project. And he was the only one who actually sat and watched the Japanese anime for the project so that he could know whose voice would be right for Yusuke. And it turns out after hearing everybody and no one was right, another producer at Funimation is like, well, how should he sound? And Justin's like, he should sound kind of like this, like a little young, but still like kind of pissed off. And they were like, oh, so you should just do the voice. And, and that good. got things going. Yeah. I, and, his you know, scream. His oh. scream is so good, dude. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> his mom played Genkai. Which is just a weird little piece of business that I didn't realize. But they were never in the same room as each other because uh, it just turned out that uh, they basically recorded each part separately in these like little whisper booths, not like a full recording studio. And uh, it, in I think it was uh, a, some anime convention panel where Justin Cook talked about that, like after the Togoro fight, after recording all the screams and all the yells and all the cries for that, he had punched holes in the insulating foam, trying to like keep himself hyped up for that performance. And they had to like replace it after he was done. (laughs) Watching voice actors go is insane. Sometimes like, like I was watching one guy uh, doing the mob psycho 100, uh, the guy, the blonde guy, he was he was doing the running scene, and he was like he was like I almost passed out, like I almost blacked out. And I was, he's running in the booth, like he's like, oh, oh, oh shit, oh, oh, oh well, you know, like, it's it's crazy watching him go. I love it. Yeah. So we're skipping the live action Netflix. Oh series, wait, right? no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're not gonna watch it, right? I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Genkai is John Bergmeier's mother. Ah. I'm sorry, it's John Bergmeier's mother, and John Bergmeier was the voice of Karama. There you go. I'm sorry, I got that mixed up. And of course, the voice of Kuwabara was Christopher oh, right, Sabat, please. who Come also on, plays people. Vegeta. It's the Avatar 2 of vocal roles. <laughs> oh, you mean the best? You mean a life-changing <laughs> piece of art? That Sorry, Mike. Jake's weird about Avatar 2. I'm always making April play the DK rap. That's kind of our thing. So, oh, so uh, your thing is an intentional, just annoying thing. <laughs> and my thing is trying to save annoying? the soul of the world by making sure they all see this beautiful message of hope in IMAX oh 3D. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I don't care about the soul of the world, Jake. I got things to do, alright? I got bills to pay. You know who doesn't have bills to pay? The Navi. Alright, <laughs> fine. Put they're me free, in the world. Dude. Yeah, they're free. They're free. We could be like them, but we choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that about it? I mean, we don't re- do we even want to talk about the Netflix live action. I mean, it's coming out, and I've probably won't, you know, by by just track record wise, I'm just not very uh, thrilled by the concept. I don't know. It looks weird, man. Like I think, well, it looks like it's all Japanese actors, right? So okay, I don't, that's, I don't that's know cool. who the. I have no idea who the like. So Willem Dafoe is not in it at all. He's not. Uh, Unfortunately, no. He should be though. He should be in everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, most of Netflix adaptations have been really bad, but if this yeah. is one that's being handled by a Japanese studio, I mean, honestly, it could Even be Japanese worse. Japanese live action adaptations <laughs> yeah. are pretty bad, though. Like yeah, the, yeah, those totally. Metal Alchemist movies, the, no. the JoJo movie. movie. Oh, yeah. JoJo movie is like almost okay. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. saying a lot. The only ones that ever worked uh, were the Samurai X Roroni Kenshin live action because it's just okay. samurai. You right. know what it's I mean? Like you don't have to do samurai anything. Story. Yeah, you don't have to do anything special. Like right. So yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I think that's it. I think that's our episode on Yu Yu Hakusho. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. I really, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, let's let's do the plugs. You start. You start the plugs. Oh, okay. So yeah, uh, youtube.com slash bonsai pop. Um, that's where that's like where the majority of our stuff is. You can follow us on Twitter, bonsai underscore pop. Um, we do our own podcast, bonsai popcast. Um yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You can find us anywhere. Hell yeah. That's a bonsai podcast. Are you guys covering like stuff coming at that's just currently coming out? Are you also kind of doing a whisper treatment or uh, or how would you describe it? Uh the bonsai podcast is like if you liked smodcast back in the day oh okay <laughs> it's it's much closer to than that except for like instead of like canadian crime news uh we'll cover like like we were on the we were on the ufos before uh henry and ben got on the ufos that have been going uh-huh. around uh so so we do a lot about like aliens we we've talked great quite a bit about like QAnon and like that crazy conspiracy shit and like you know how that's affecting things like we get into politics and then we talk about anime <laughs> so nice. it's, it's like two friends just getting together to have their weekly conversation then anime and video games love it all right that's awesome man check us out uh patreon.com forward slash whizbrew for uh, so much shit ad free episodes uh, of uh, main feed episodes you get weekly bonus episodes and that's just five dollars a month fifteen dollars a month sunday study session that's right you can join us uh, as we cover whatever topic we're covering that week. We watched episodes of Yu Yu Show on the Discord more recently, but we're also about to do our production schedule. So just know once every few months, you get to sit with us while we come up with the topics we're going to cover for the show for the next uh, like quarter, essentially. And people so. repeatedly and um, for a lot of successful Campaigning lobbies. happens. Yeah, yeah, lobbying, campaigning happens, and it, stuff gets in. So if there's a show you're dying for, like I said, you'll, you'll miss it if you join right now uh, as you're listening to this you'll miss our most recent one but uh, the next one's always around the corner every uh, few months we do it and uh, twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho check me out Monday through Friday streams banging them out people it's always very fun I'm not banging people out I'm just doing streams but <laughs> maybe people are banging somewhere else in some other room I don't know what's going on but either way Jake uh, hey, thanks for listening to all these plugs. I know it's just because you're trying to park your car and you can't reach your phone at this yeah, moment. Yeah, you're dying. Your hands you are wet because really, you're doing you're the like, dishes right now. And you're like, no, I just want to change You it see so the bad. new episode of uh, of the Akatar Deep Dive. It just dropped. You want to switch over, <laughs> but you can't. You can't. You're too busy driving. Your hands are fizzy. You can't switch. So you're listening to me plug my shit. At Best Jake Young on Twitter. At Best Jake Young on Instagram. And hey, if you like this show, I bet you'll like the Cartoon Dumpster. It's a weekly stream in which I watch weird old bad cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s uh, via my avatar, Puppet Jared, and it's a grand old time. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, April, while I still have your ear, while you're still listening, please take us out with Smile Bomb, the theme song, the English version, the good version. Uh, They're all good versions because if I don't hear thank you for waking me up on our Yu Yu Kakucho episode, it's not complete. And always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. In the countryside, I wander far and wide. The isolation gets me again.
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.